Woke up this morning with the sundown shining in him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind. On a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. There's just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f*** are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sun... Hello, welcome back to Jack. Time tomorrow. Big peppers on the board. SP Futures down 475. NSA Futures down 4275. A little red on my screen. It's hurting my eyes here. I don't usually see red last week or so, but a little bit, a little bit today. We have Mr. Dan Janinas. We're shifting the schedule today because... Uh, we think Lou is waiting outside the Panama Canal to get in, trying to find some water to fill up the locks, Dan. <laughs> Evidently, it's a it's a problem. Good for down him. There. Good for him. <laughs> he said he sends me a picture of this cruise ship that was going to go through the Panama Canal, and I go, Lou, <laughs> the the thing's all backed up because they don't have water. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I hope he get. I hope he was able to get through in the middle of the night or something. But uh, anyhow, the uh, how can that be? They got a drought down there in the jungle. That's kind of strange. I guess it's part of El. What we got? El Nino, or what do we got going? Something. Um, yeah, we've had a we've had a drought most of this summer here. I mean, we had a little rain yesterday, but it's been it's been pretty dry here as well, and usually dry. We yeah, I don't. When's the last time it rained here? We were supposed to get some tonight or tomorrow, but it's been a couple of weeks, hasn't it, Greg? It's been a while. You know, I usually when I drive out to Orland, I drive right next to the Des Plaines River, and you can kind of tell by looking at it. And it's, I mean, there's stuff growing on the bottom of the river, for God's sake, in some spots. It's really dry. But, uh, hey, what do you make of uh, the market doing what it's doing, you know, the Fed doing what they're doing? Uh, And how come you weren't at the big meeting with uh, Biden and Z? A couple of the other big shots were there. (laughs) I wasn't invited, but I I actually, uh, you know, I, I followed it afterwards. I... I think what the what the market is uh, doing is a what I would call a there's a like a little reprieve here. Um, the the it's amazing, isn't it amazing, um, Chief? How quickly things can turn when there's a few pieces of good data, when there's not a whole lot of earnings, or at least when the earnings of the big companies have already come out, and when there's somebody you know suddenly saying this is the time to buy. So there has been mon- a lot of money on on the sidelines. This has been a really sharp rally, like a 15% increase in, in, in the S&P in just a very short, you know, what, a month. And we're still not quite at the levels that we were earlier this year in the spring. I think like in April, the levels were higher. But the, the um, <clears throat> if you look at the fundamentals, it's, it's like anything, right? You can, you can choose certain numbers and say, hey, things don't look bad. CPI came in better than normal. 
the generic, and we've talked about this many times, the generic inflation numbers look good. But again, if you look at the consumer who's going to the grocery store, they're still saying we're not seeing inflation come down. However, if you look at the consumer that's going to Walmart to buy a TV, electronic goods have come down in price. So that's one area that you can definitely say that's happen, happening and happened. And for those people who are looking for their, their um, you know, their Black Friday purchases, you know, there are some good deals in the electronic side. So there are places where inflation's coming down. You don't see it, at, I, we don't see it at the grocery store. You certainly don't see it, you know, it seems like everything else has been um, jacked up. I know I, I took some family out on a boat this past weekend that we're visiting from up from New England. And, you know, certainly gas prices for boats, um, for the for the boat was, um, you know, quite a bit higher than it than it's been recently. So, so there, you know, it really depends on where what you see on a, you know, on Main Street, as to what prices are higher and what aren't. I would still argue that inflation is very much here. I don't think we need to be listening to um, people too carefully that are saying inflation's coming way down. Um, I do not see rates coming down. I do not agree with this talk cuts. Think about it. Chief, we've had people talking about cuts for a year and a half. Those same people are talking about recession. And that's what really blows my mind, is you, you have to kind of go through the logic of how that can possibly happen. So you see rate cuts, it's usually because the economy's taking off, right? It, it, things are starting to get stronger, and that's when the, and the Fed decides to cut. Well, so how can, how can people have the belief that we're going to still see a recession, but we also still think there's going to be rate cuts. So that's well, I mean, you, you'd cut you cut rates if you thought you were going to go into a recession, right? But yeah. it, but it, but but that's the talk. There are still people out there that believe we're going to see the slowdown. Well, we've already seen the slowdown. Companies have already readjusted um, earnings. Analysts have adjusted their earnings estimates. Um, there is some euphoria in the sense that. What's, what people are experiencing now, and the reason that I think we have seen this uptick, is that a number of people put their money on the side, a number of investors, I, I should say, put their money on the side when we started seeing the sell-off you know, in the summer, and then, so that money is still sitting there, and then all of a sudden they're seeing the market up, up. They don't wanna, you know, that fear of missing out, and they step back in. I honestly believe this is not based on fundamentals. This is just based on market sentiment, uh, investor sentiment, investors getting more, more. Um, it's sort of like, oh yeah, the other guy is doing it, so I'll, I'm gonna do it too. You know, it may be something you're not quite ready for, but you get that sense of, I'll jump on the bandwagon. Well, I won't be the only one going down at this point. Um, I don't think, I mean, I do think there is some op reason for, for the optimism that we're seeing in the market. Um, I've been saying this all along, there's still too much money in the system it's still going to take a while before the job market evens out, before before there's um, more uh, supply of labor than there is demand. But at the current point, we still have more um, and then supply. And there's this is just going to work itself out. It is working itself out, but this is a long process. So I would say that if you're not already in, just go back in, I mean, come into the market in a small way, we're talking about the equity market, 
You've also, we saw this huge rally in bonds. So a 20% decline in rates is an increase in bond prices. And that happened very quickly. So there was an opportunity if you just happened to be invested in long bond. So the, you know, the, the investor is saying, well, what do we do? I mean, how do we know how to time this? The timing of these moves has been very difficult to predict. And now you have everybody saying, oh yeah, rates are gonna continue to go lower and the stock market's gonna continue to go up. And it's at that point when you have, you know, we, nat we naturally know that as, as investor sentiment becomes one-sided, which it's starting to seem like it's becoming one-sided, that's when you gotta be careful. I, uh, Dan, I, I have been thinking the same way you have been thinking for kind of a while, but you know, I always throw my uh, years ago monetarist training into the mix, which now is, I mean, it's like a voice in the wilderness, for God's sake. I mean, you understand what I'm talking about, but how many other people do? Uh, I, I'm I'm so aghast at this, and I, I'm I'm so upset with myself that I didn't realize earlier on how sinister the whole mess is that these people are doing to us. When I say these people, here's a prediction, Chief. I think more people will come to understand as as the relationship is more obvious to everybody. Meaning, uh, the <laughs> as now the all the money that's being pumped into the system. It's having much more effect on their on their personal balance or it, on their personal. Still, budgets. don't really. I don't know if anybody gets the connection. And maybe they won't. I mean, but I think they they will coming up because you know inflation's inflation price levels. So maybe inflation's come down, but price levels have stayed high, and, and their family budgets have have remained high. Well, so yeah, and I'm, I'm guessing they'll start to uh, notice what you're talking about now. Well, Dan, I was did some stuff the other day. That I don't even really want to do this, but I, if you take February 2020, the month before COVID, look at what the market was that day, and you look at the 40% of money they poured into the system over the last three years. It's exactly what the stock market's up. That's a, that's a really good number. That's a, that's a good observation. That's a great observation. It is. It is. Anybody who thinks they were just a genius being long Microsoft. Now, individual stocks obviously have done better than other stocks. So, I mean, some stocks aren't even up. But clearly the, what the market is, and obviously if you'd have been in those stocks versus other stocks, yeah, you're, 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 you either were lucky or a pretty darn good investor, one or the other. But I'm saying it, if, you, if you look at it just from that and, and just get everything else out, <laughs> earnings and all the other, whatever you think, just, just wipe it out. And just look at these numbers. What has happened in the last couple of months is You've had times where the Fed has threatened by you know raising the rates and so forth to essentially combat. Uh, I mean, you you're pretty careful to not do it, but you listen to the bumps on TV. The 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 term inflation and the term price level become synonymous, and they're not, and they're absolutely not. So we have this price no. we have this huge price bubble, and for a while it sounded like the Fed was going to try and attack the price bubble and actually roll back the 40% inflation in the market and asset prices, everything that you and I know is there. And, and people were getting a little skittish. Okay, my stocks might actually go down. All right. And, and now all of a sudden, in the last three weeks, based on Powell's speech and based on his last consumer number, which I don't believe for a second, because they're, they're, I think they're, they've, they've got half the number they have since 2020, and they think it's been 20% inflation. I think all of us think it's 37 to 40 across the board. Uh, now, so that, what they're telling you is they're now not going to attack the price level ever. They're just worried about going forward, 
getting back to this fictional 2%, and oh, by the way, if it takes a while, like several years to get there, that's okay too. So not only are we, are we not backing up on the price level, we're not really even worried about it. And we're just, we're just going forward from here, and we're pushing money out. And I think by the time, if you and I make it another 25 years, you're going to find all the definitions that you and I learned when we were young are going to change. I mean, you, you talk about a uh, recession. I mean, how can you have a recession with, well, Joel, how can you have a recession with 3.5% unemployment rate? I'll tell you how. You can walk into Chick-fil-A, and you can see them hiring people at $17 an hour, and the family of four in front of me uh, buying lunch for 80 bucks. So if you work in the place four hours, you haven't even gotten lunch for your three kids yet. That, that's, that's, our new defi- that's my new definition of recession. How are individual people doing, and, and are they anywhere near close to where they were two and a half, three years ago in terms of income versus expenses? And I think the answer for 90% of the population is no. So I guess the money that the other 10% have where they can't even spend it all fast enough, I guess we can average that in, but it's not averaging into me or you, I don't think. I mean, I mean, I, to the right. extent that we're, we're managing that. some of it, I guess, yes, it is. But, but it's not even – now these guys and – I, and I, when we talk about how, how is the Fed going to pay off, how is the government going to pay off their debt? And then well, was it, uh, Moody's came out and said, well – there, there's, there's no risk of default. Okay, I'm, I'm going to redefine for you because you're, you're the smartest guy in the show on this stuff that I know of, including me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say by, de- by degrading the value of the currency and paying Greg back uh, 20 bucks on a, on a bet where the 20 bucks is worth half as it was, it was before, I'm going to say that in my mind that's, that's a default. Right now, if you bought one of these 30-year bonds three years ago at one and a half percent I'll bet you that thing is trading for what you bought a million dollar bond I bet it's trading for 550 that's not a default what's a default pretty close <laughs> yeah but I mean, defi- you know define default if you define default that way in 30 years you pay that person back what's that money gonna be worth that you pay him back with 15 20 cents on the dollar from what you when you borrowed it that's not a default right. That's my new definition. What do you think? Am I gonna are they gonna come at me with a gun or a, a, a straitjacket or what? I think I think you're on the right um, place for when you're considering. You know, when you're looking at a time frame, absolutely. If you're looking at things in a static point of view, like today, that. But if you're looking at at like you said, where the money was lent, if it was lent a few years ago or it was borrowed a few years ago, then it absolutely makes a lot of sense that it's not worth what it was. And, and you know by a long shot so that's that's in, in some cases you know bordering on what would be described as default because the, the ability to be able to repay at that level that you initially got in is isn't there so so there's a you know this all happened very quickly the the you know the, the fed hikes um took place over the past half you know and it isn't that you know we we have to think back to as you're saying, um, just February of, of last year to, to, you know, to remember that we had basically zero interest rates. So um, there was, you know, maybe half a percent. Uh, so, so there has been a lot that's happened. And I think there, this digestion of these, these rate hikes hasn't fully occurred yet. So there will be more, um, there will be some fallout that'll happen. 
Um, I think there's also going to be an exogenous event that could be related to either one of these wars or or the gov or government shutting down or, or some other um, that's going to take us back into that mindset of you know we're not, you know that oh maybe there's going to be a slowdown or a recession or right now I think there's there's a certain amount of irrational exuberance that's going on just because everything seems to be going up each day and yes things did sell off and then yes it's generally followed by a rally in the market but none of it is being based on fundamentals and when I say fundamentals I don't just mean company fundamentals I mean economic fundamentals macro economic fundamentals so our stock market is stock and our bond market if you look at interest rates are not following um, macroeconomic fundamentals or even fundamentals of the particular sectors of the economy that they're in so it's a it's a tough time to be managing money and it's very tough to just say okay I'll put my money in SPY and sit because I think stocks are going up it, this is a stock pickers market so have your bench which we do of the names that we like and step in in a small way um, but don't put all the money in all at once you know especially we've seen this well, Dan, what do you, increase what do you say it's a it's a stock pickers market um, it reminds me a lot of 2000 it's a stock pickers market as long as you're in seven stocks or ten stacks right exactly as long as you're in the right ones <laughs> but, but what, so what, what's gonna happen if you know I, I if, the, if the government keeps doing this if, you know some of the basis of my either common sense or lack thereof is the education that I had people always took it to the, to the base level you know when you talked about currency theory it was cigarettes and concentration camps it was something that was really easy to understand and when I when I talk about this with the government you're talking trillions of dollars it's it's mind-boggling to me so I think it has to be to most people I mean, I, what the hell's a trillion dollars for God's sake I, I wouldn't even know how to start counting it but if just think for a second in Roman times if you walked into Caesar and you said hey the government owes, owes me a hundred bucks and he walked in the back room and stamped stamped out a coin and handed it to you you'd say, wow, that's interesting. You'd say, well, how could anybody do that? Now, it doesn't really affect people too much because another 100 bucks in the Roman economy technically means there's more money in the system and, and there's a little more inflation somewhere, but it's pretty minor. But essentially, you have a government that's doing it. Oh, oh yeah, here we go. We'll print it. Here you go. And, and the, it, it, but it, this, they're doing it at such a level, it's burying everybody. But all of a sudden, all of a sudden, that guy walks into the Roman saloon and he's got a big stack of coins and he starts buying beers. And the beers—I don't know if they drank beer in those days. Maybe it was wine. And and all of a sudden, the price of wine goes up. I, mean, I think I think they're, they're banking on the economy, not knowing that's going. So what do you? But I ask you some option questions here, since I've been doing so many spreads this week. Last week we had a big spread week doing earnings spreads. This week, not so much. I'm I'm talking about Target, Walmart, Cisco. Are now blowing through. They're blowing like t when you look at an earnings day, you look at the this, the call and the put. Okay, if you add those two together, that's the market estimate of what the stock's going to move on earnings. They don't know which way or whatever. Nobody knows the well. Most people don't don't know their earnings ahead of time. Uh, so normally you go by that as a guide, and, and what I do, and don't do this as a professional thing. I look at the, the calendar spread, Dan, and, and there should be a ratio between the calendar spread and the straddle. If the ratio is right, then I put on the calendar spread. And I still want to guess the strike right, which is the hard part. But in the last three days, 
Target, Cisco, and Walmart are now blown through. They're two and a half times the straddle. I've never seen that. I've, I've never you seen know, that. And, I, and some of it I do understand. I think the the in, you know the the um, anticipation or the forecast is for like one of the best uh, holiday shopping seasons. That's really already upon us, and and th- there's you know all the talk we hear if we're listening even to our local news about how um, the you know we're travelers this year than we ever have, and when you start hearing all of the, that talk, that um, you know suggests to investors that you want to be invested in retail, that you want to be you don't want to miss. It's that fear of missing out because. And it's kind of it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy that the stock prices go up, and then it wouldn't be until after the the fourth quarter, sometime in the early part of next year, that that we're looking back saying, "Oh, earnings weren't quite as what what we expected." But it's the stories that are sort of pushing us in that direction, and and the reality, I'm not sure, coincides with the story. So that's why we would tend to stay on the side a little here. But there's. But I, I absolutely agree with you that things are running up in particular areas that are based on, certainly not based on fundamentals. Well, Walmart has got, now it's it's by far the biggest, are they bigger than the next three guys combined? Um, was it next? Pretty is, close. Second is what, Target then Home Depot? Greg, I was checking that out. Did, I would, so they came, yeah. out, they came out and they said, uh, well, well the, the chairman came out two months ago, or six weeks ago, and he said the, the, the the, the consumers hit a wall in early October, and yet, boy, all you do is listen on TV. Three days ago, the, the credit card people came out and said October was a lousy month. Sales are down. Uh, Home Depot, sales are down from the same month as last year, the same quarter. Target, they're all done. Yet everybody keeps telling you how great everything is. I don't. I mean, what what part don't they get? I think. Yeah, but, but I I was gonna. I mean, just to interject that part part of I think why the you know. You, when you have this this rapid decline in interest rates, which is what we've seen recently, all of a sudden, all you know, the, the talk about housing becoming more affordable now because you know uh, the 30-year mortgage is not at eight percent; it's now at 740. Same thing. Ha- the same thing holds with credit card debt. So people are going to be more um, they're going to be more uh, likely to be per- making purchases when they know that rates are coming down on an individual right, so, level. So, absolutely on a on a on a um, corporate level and to a certain degree on the government level although I don't think the government is paying attention to uh, rates when they're spending but the other part that I think is important is the uh, all of the the you know the the what you call it the it's really just the um, looking at what's happening and trying to to you know the, the sentiment that comes as a result of Say lower rates, or or a stronger stock market, or maybe better than expected inflation. When it all comes together, there's there there's this rational exuberance that goes into people's thought processes, where they say, uh, "Oh, I have more money because rates have come down. My credit card bills are lower. I have more money because, um, you know, the you know the the gasoline prices have come down. You see, you, you definitely. I don't know if you guys are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that, well that's, that was a PPI number, but I, I have to ask you, Dan. I, I know the 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 party line, and I'm surely not accusing you of doing the party line. The party, and this is this is what frosts the hell out of me when I actually dig into some of these numbers. When the, when interest rates 
went from we're going to get down to like what zero percent or yes and the fed did the, the crazy stuff in covid i actually did about a five-year look back credit credit card rates went up during that period of time not down they they, they clearly didn't go down and, and and i think what you're saying in theory when when this goes from five percent on the 10 year down to four and a half i'm going to say dan there's not a snowball's chance in hell that if you actually carry a balance on your credit card at 24%, that you're going to get a letter in the mail saying it's down to 23 and a half. That is not going to happen. Yeah, it's not going to be that. It's, it isn't, I mean, it isn't, even, it's also based on the fact those numbers are so high, it's yeah. not going to make that much difference. That's, That's right. This is true. But it's really perception that I'm talking about. It's perception as you're seeing, like now here, we're seeing gas prices less than $3. So yeah. I saw 294 and there, it just sort Whoa. of even Chicago, even Chicago not, or 475 or five. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's yeah. all relative, right? Oh, yeah. You know, it's, hey, uh, it, all right, we, we, we got a dash here. What, um, where are you? Are you still doing six months? Um, and uh, we, we're going to have you back on uh, soon. We might get you back on on Monday. Yes, yeah, I would say what I would say the things that are that are still um, good, six-month T-bills, we were still buying them at 547 despite the fact that rates have gone down. So, so there's still um, opportunity there. Look at anything between um, April and May, um of 24 look at some t-bills in that range and you can get as much as you can get very close to 550 still municipal bonds again i'm going to put a plug in for single and double a's that are yielding close to six percent one year bonds uh very low if you know virtually no default rate and in a high tax state like like illinois or california that after tax return of eight eight and a half percent on a singular double a bond pretty much a no-brainer. You give up a little liquidity, but it's a good way to diversify right now, and especially if you think that the market is over, you know, overbought. I don't necessarily think it is, unless they start doing something with the, with the money. Uh, anyway, anyway, we'll try and we'll get you uh, back on early next week. We've got a couple people that are out. Um, enjoy enjoy the work. next week. More than happy to be on. All right, buddy. Thank you. As usual, SP Futures down week. 8, and as we down 48. Big news here is Walmart now down 13 bucks. Uh, so much for that spread I did yesterday. Good thing we only paid 15 cents for it, for God's sake. Be right Absolutely. back. Yeah, be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Stocks, jocks, Stocks jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, no back Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Craig Pappas on the board. I, I'm just sitting here absolutely stunned on this Walmart down 1228. 
is I'm looking at last night's options. Uh, so the 70, the 70 line straddle is six bucks, and it's blown through the straddle by over two times. That, that's just to give everybody an idea of these numbers. 12.26 on a stack. I think it's 2.7 billion shares outstanding. So that's what it's it's almost 30 billion dollars in market cap. And didn't they beat? For God's sake, <laughs> I I don't know. This is let's do that as stock of the day. Yeah, we better do that one as stock of the day. Uh, Dow futures down 86, uh, S&P futures down 675, Nasdaq futures down 43, so not very much. Another stock in the Dow, Cisco, is down uh, uh, 543, that's over 10%, that's like 12%. Uh, and they, they actually had their best quarter like ever, but then they said uh, there wasn't much, that the sales were slowing going forward. But if you look at the quarterly numbers, you'd say that thing should be up, but it sure isn't. Uh, DAX up 50.3%, FTSE down 37.5%, GEC around down 33.5%. Over in Asia, we've got the Nikkei down 95. These guys have been very volatile, but just not much. They were way up, too, so down 95 is not very much. 0.3%. Hang Seng down 246, 1.4%, but 17,832, still kind of the high end of the recent range. Shanghai down 21.7%. Uh, yesterday, the U.S. was kind of a somewhat of an inside day. It was still up, but not as up as, it, as much as it has been. Dow was up 163. S&P only up 7, NASDAQ only up 9, so that was pretty calm for those guys. Not for the Dow, Dow had a couple stocks that were up. Uh, bonds, we're down 3 basis points, 4.50 exactly. Uh, the Bund down 2 basis points, 2.61. Japan down a basis point, 0.79. We've got oil uh, down 77 cents, 75.89. That's a full 1% down again. Brent down 76 cents, 80.42. Natural gas up 6 cents, 3.25. Arbob down 3 cents, 2.16. You never let Chicago, would you, Greg? We still some places are like almost five bucks, aren't they? Um, Gotta go today. Yeah, we'll go today and check it out. Uh, gold up two ten nineteen sixty six, looking like it might want to make a run at two thousand, but it never quite gets there. Silver up fourteen cents twenty three sixty eight, a spot where you have wanted to sell it. I don't know if you want to this time. It's always different this time. Copper down a penny three seventy. We've got crypto. We've got Bitcoin down three hundred two thirty seven thousand two fifty eight. <laughs> The dollar, which had been falling a little bit, is kind of unchanged today with the euro at 108. Euro's a little higher, meaning the dollar a little lower than it has been. Same thing with the pound, almost 124. It's been 122 for a while, so the dollar has fallen some. What do you got for us, traffic, weather, sports, if they're all that stuff? Bulls, last minute. Why do I watch those guys? <laughs> Good morning, everyone. It's 636 here in Chicago, 47 degrees. Uh, right now, 64 today, breezy. Phoenix, we got 65 degrees right now, 77 today, cooler with uh, lots of high clouds. Traffic, inbound Kennedy is 23 minutes from Montrose. Inbound Edens is 50 minutes from Lake Cook. Inbound Ike from Wolf, 28 minutes. The Rhine from 95th to the Interchange is 21 minutes. And Stevenson from 294 to the Rhine is 30 minutes. NHL, Coyotes at Blue Jackets tonight. And the Lightning at the Hawks, that starts at 7. NCAA, nope. Suns beat the Timberwolves at home in the uh, NBA, and we got Thursday night football today, and that's Bengals at Ravens, and the Ravens are favored by three and a half. So that's all I got, Chief. I'm not sure I have it because I don't have Prime. <laughs> well, you head out to the bar with Prime, and I might sure have to do that. Yeah. So sure how many times can you sell the same product? We over there. We have Mr. Murphy. How are you? How are you? I'm, gonna, I'm okay. I'm going to have to ask you guys a, a very personal question. Um, 
Do I look to you? No, you know, I don't look as good as I used to, but do I look to you like either an axe murderer or a, a mad rapist? <laughs> I don't know. You could be. I think you need to get the hair going a lot longer, maybe tilt the glasses <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. And put some, like, you know, stains on your shirt, and then you could... Then yeah. You, <laughs> you need to look a little more disheveled, Tom, yeah. I would say. Yeah. So there I was last night, minding my own business. Right, where you usually park your car. You're never minding your own business. <laughs> well, I'm crossing the expressway, <laughs> and I see this young lady walk up next to me, carrying these two huge boxes, one one stacked on top of the other. And I'm thinking, that's a little odd. So she obviously is struggling with these boxes, so she tries to put them down on top of the fire hydrant, which, of course, is not flat. So one slips off and lands on the ground. And she's trying to hold the one with one hand while she's trying to pick up the other that doesn't work, so she puts the other one down on the ground, now she, on top of the other one. So now she has no, not nowhere near enough strength to lift both of these off the ground. So I said, would you like a hand? Well, maybe. Okay, well, why don't you hand me the top box? So I, she hands me the top box. They're, you know, they're like paper in there or something, but they, were, they, you know, they weren't heavy, heavy, but they weren't light either. So I got my bag over the other shoulder. So we, we're walking across the expressway. I said, why don't I take this one across the expressway? Okay. So we slump across the expressway, and I said, by the way, how far are you going with these two boxes? He said, oh, all the way up to Polk Street, which is like, you know, two and a half blocks. And I said, uh, that's kind of far. You're not going to make it. And she says, well, I'll just wrap them a couple times, but I'll get there eventually. I said, well, you know, my, my truck is like right here. Why don't I just give you a ride down to Polk Street? It's two blocks. Oh, no, I could never do that. Uh, okay. <laughs> I said, well, why don't we try this again? How about you put the two boxes in my truck, you walk down there, and I'll meet you there with the two boxes. I can't do that either. I go, so what is the solution here? Well, just give me the other box. I'll make it somehow. I go, here you go. (laughs) I got my truck. What was I supposed to do with it? But I sure as hell wasn't going to walk the box down there instead of using my truck. Why would I? You know, I'm not that. Well, young. she probably wouldn't have wanted you to walk the box down because she, she was obviously af- afraid of something with you. So, well, no, the, the, she left open the possibility of me just walking the box down there with her, which I didn't want to do. Oh, okay, all right. No, that, that that I think would have been okay, you know, but because uh, she probably figured she could run faster than me, which I'm sure she could. But I'm thinking, no good deed goes unpunished. You had another tra- another chapter in that book, eh? Well, the the whole Good Samaritan concept has ca- gone the way of uh, I, I'm not sure what, but it it does not pay to be a Good Samaritan anymore because then you get in trouble with the law. <laughs> well, remember when in our age, I was never a big one. People used to hitchhike all around the country. Nobody, we kind of trusted everybody. I don't know if anybody right. ever got murdered. It just we have, we have had a change. I don't know if it just. People watching everybody and, and well, now we just got paid hitchhiking. It's called Uber. It's true, pretty much. Is, I guess it is paid well, hitchhiking. You know, the guy on the subway tries to help people out in New York, and and then he gets, uh, you know, he gets put in jail for manslaughter or whatever it was, and and now he goes to trial for being a good Samaritan. Yeah, it's uh, we don't seem to have our our our, our bleep in a row, do we? I don't. Uh, no, not at all. It's the whole culture has been reversed. I don't, I don't quite know why, but it, but it is is it just because uh, people aren't out in society all the time? I mean, when when you were out all the time, I mean the 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 thing that made me always feel comfortable anywhere I went was having a whole lot of people out. 
I mean, if downtown was busy, when I first started down downtown in the you know in eighty, the the, the loop was terrible. I mean, the loop had uh, State Street was the mall. I don't know if you even remember that, Greg. They, it was only buses. You couldn't drive down State Street, and that totally killed the downtown area. Until finally, somebody said, "Hey, we got to get rid of this mall and go back the way it used to be." But there was nobody. If you stayed down here and had a few cocktails, or whatever, or worked, <laughs> I guess, or even went to school, if you walked across the loop at eight thirty at night, you were the only person on the street. And then all of a sudden, they get you know better and better and better. But the only thing that was active at all down here was the well, Michigan Avenue had the offices and so forth, but. But the, the exchanges were the only thing that were cooking down here. Other than that, there, was, there wasn't a whole lot going on. Um, everybody, everybody split. But then all of a sudden, it got more and more and more social. They had some people living down here. And it, got, it actually got really, really good, wouldn't you say, Greg? Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, stuff started happening with the COVID and everything else, and now it's, it's, it's not so hot. But uh, Mike, you made some stuff yesterday, so I'm shifting gears here. Page two, as Paul Harvey would say. Uh, you made some interesting comments yesterday about you know, countries driving other countries into spending a real lot of money, which is clearly what, what Reagan did to the Russians. But it, part of it was he really wanted to give money to those people here as well, right? I mean, he, he loved the military-industrial establishment. Those people made a lot of money when he was in office. But uh, Well, I'm, yeah, but unfortunately, you know, when I was in the military then, you know, we kind of needed it at the time. And I am very grateful to President Reagan because I received my biggest raise ever as a lieutenant, or I might have been a captain then in Munich. And and I never saw another raise like that again while I was in the Army. Wow. Well, you, got, you guys had been really, you haven't had, had anything in a long time, right? When he, when he did that? And it would really, you guys well, that's really correct. It, the the you know the military establishment had been suffering, and there were you know it was kind of a leftover from the Vietnam uh, experience. So yeah, well, what well, it's a yeah. It took, it took I'm not so sure if people in our generation are, st- are over it yet, but it took a while for the country to get over it. Well, you're right, and and people, I don't think. There's a whole lot of people. I mean, now we're seeing people don't even remember what the Holocaust was. And I, frankly, I don't think a lot of our youth realize what uh, the Vietnam experience was like either. Well, maybe maybe it's better they don't. You know, well, it's, it's better they don't experience, but I think they should at least know what happened. Um, well, but I, I, we're kind of reliving it now, you know, in, uh, in the wake of uh, the Israel experience right now. Well, you brought up well, a, it's kind of different circumstances, so that's not a, an accurate statement. Well, anytime there's war, it's always different, but it's always the same, right? Well, I don't know about that. I would say that there's a just war, maybe, and an unjust war. And, I, you know, I'm not sure where certain things fit in that. I mean, we could go historically, you know, the, the World War II, probably a just war. Uh, Vietnam I'd really have to think about that one Uh, I think Israel is a just war I think Afghanistan for us anyways in a way was a just war it's when we got into the nation building that uh, we ran into trouble well I don't think there's anybody who doubts that if you actually could find the camps 
and the people who pulled off the 9-11 and you blast them to smithereens, I really don't, there's probably a few people that wouldn't go along with that, but not very many. But like you say, when you jump into a whole country, plus when, when 16 of the people were Saudis and what, three or four were Egyptians and, you, and we spent how many years in Afghanistan, you, that would cause most people to scratch their head. Right. Yes. Well, and that's, you know, we made a mistake with Afghanistan. We didn't pull out uh, when, you know, after President Bush, you know, then, you know, W said the mission accomplished. We probably should have pulled out at that point and not gone into the nation building experiment. So if you would have uh, what what years, if you can remember, if not, I mean, I, I know I can't. What years were. Russia in there. I mean, when everybody here was was cackling that they had their Vietnam after they after they messed with us in Vietnam so much, people here were loving it that they were getting their ass kicked in Afghanistan. If you'd have stood up in a, a adult uh, drinking establishment during those years and said, "In twenty five years, they'll be out of there and we'll be in there," they'd have, they'd have carried you out in a straitjacket. Nobody would have even begun to even thought that could be possible, and yet it happened. Yeah, well, that's correct. I mean, that's. Uh, I think you know Russia was in there till about. 79-ish, maybe. Was it that long? Yeah, okay. Well, you know, that's one of the reasons how Reagan broke them. And they might have even gone a little longer than that because they kept spending money on uh, Afghanistan and then on their military complex. And then during the Reagan administration, that's when we broke them, essentially. When they left Afghanistan, that... That was coincidental with a regi- regime change in Russia, right? Uh, yeah, Gorbachev probably made, it might have been before Gorbachev, it was either probably Yeltsin or Gorbachev made the decision to pull out of uh, Afghanistan, I think. Yeah, because it wasn't the guy who brought him in there. No, oh, definitely no, right. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder if the uh, same thing is going to have to happen for Russians to get out of Ukraine. That Putin has to go. Well, you know, I think uh, I'd say he does have to go before there's going to be any radical change in Russia, and you know, and his security is probably extremely strong. So, well, I mean, he's uh, you hear rumors. Of course, how the hell would I hear a really good rumor? You hear rumors that he's got you know how many pills a day is he taking? He's almost becoming another Hitler. Yeah, he he ha- supposedly has health problems, but you never know about that. So I bet he's built built pretty sturdy stuff. I'm thinking, but uh, some of those guys. Well, but he's he, you know he's essentially had a soft life since he was probably in Germany in Dresden, you know, as the as a KGB guy. I mean, since he became president or very active in politics there, I mean, he hasn't done much. I mean, he used to play hockey. I don't think he's doing that anymore. So. Well, the goal he get out of the way whenever he shot, if you want to call that playing <laughs> hockey. What, um, yep. so you, you, but the point you brought up yesterday, and, you know, obviously we dodge around it a lot, is the combination between the military and the economy. And you come at it from a different direction than me, but that's what makes it so interesting. I mean, we have, you know, we're I don't know that we feel we can afford some huge military buildup. God, we talk on the show all the time about the real estate problems they've got in China and, you know, unemployment rates over there and stuff. I don't, I don't know how those guys manage to keep it going. But then again, 
There's North Korea that manages to pull it off when people can't even eat, and, and they and they turn the, the electricity off every four hours. Somehow or another, these guys seem to be able to find the money when they don't even have the money. I mean, uh, well, uh, in, in an autocratic regime, they come first. So you know, unfortunately, you know that's the way it's working in both probably China, uh, well Iran, North Korea, and uh, I would say Russia too. The people, the normal people in those countries, always suffer, and you know they're they're all used to it, so they seem to survive. Well, they don't have. Uh, I don't know if they have the means to really revolt. I mean, hell, when when we did it here. No, I agree with you. They don't have the means. You're exactly right. I mean, when we did it here, I mean, a musket was a musket. Didn't matter if the you know, I mean, the even though they weren't trained. A, a, a hunter farmer probably was every bit as good with a gun as a guy in the British Army, but still, he, he wasn't an, he wasn't trained as an army guy. But well, but it was on our turf too, yeah. so it was a home game for us. Uh, so we got we had a lot of advantages because it was a home game. I actually read something once, Mike, about the uh, they interviewed uh, all these British historians, and they said who. Out of all, I mean, Britain was in how many friggin' wars? About 500, it seems. Uh, they, they said, well, the, the toughest general they ever went up against, the guy said, that was easy, Washington. But I, I, well, I guess Washington I would have was an extremely patient man, and that's probably why he succeeded. But he also, I mean, when you think of what, you can talk about multitasking. Wasn't the guy, somehow he was raising the money to pay the guys he had to pay. They were they, they were they were essentially uh, um, mercenaries, right? So he had a mercenary army that he was paying, right? Plus he had a, the volunteer army. I mean, right. the guy the guy had about five hats on, didn't he? Plus he was a general. Yeah. I think that there was a couple of guys in then whether it was Congress or and well, yeah, what would have been the first or second Continental Congress? They helped him raise some of the money, and and he he also had wealthy people in the army that were financing their own essentially their own soldiers their own militias so so he had some help but still it was uh but yeah i mean you, you wonder the chinese are spending dough we're spending dough the north koreans i i guess that there doesn't seem to be though if unless you're you come from the i'll say the european u.s stock of people the idea of, of revolting against your own people it all started with the Magna Carta, right? Uh, you know, we've had a tradition of that, of, of the people being somewhat in control. Well, I think somehow or now that's gone the way of the dodo bird as he's seeming like the big people. I, I honestly, I shudder, Mike, when I see how the hell can you... I see some of the biggest problems here economically is the size of these big firms. And yet the heads of the firms are all sitting down at the table with Biden and Z. I mean, is, is well, it, is and, and that's where, you know, I have come to, uh, I agree with you, Tom. I, I just don't know why American firms are dealing with the Chinese other than the fact that they get extremely cheap labor there. So uh, I really disagree with everything that they're, you know, that, some of these wealthy people are trying to do. What makes you think you you describe them as an American firm? What makes you think they're an American firm? 
Well, that's a good question, too. I mean, is Apple an American firm? No idea. I don't know what their management is like. It's headed up by an American, right? Tim Cook is an American? Yep. Uh, now, what the rest of them are like, I don't know. I mean, let's look at Fox News. Rupert Murdoch is uh, an Australian. So, I mean... I, I think at some point, these guys morph. And if they can find a way to not pay taxes here and... You know, but make the money here, or if they they decide that uh, you know Bahamas is the next place to put the corporate thing, I don't. I think they somehow lose. They become this world sort of. Well, you're you know, you're right. They they become globalists, I guess. I mean, and, and uh, I don't think globalism uh, is well. It's definitely not helping America. What about Walmart now? Is that an American firm? Let's. I would say those guys are. And what? And Home Depot, maybe. Matter of fact, if Walmart is. Oh, no, but okay. Yeah. So the all of the goods in Walmart or Costco, for instance, where are they coming from? I would say the majority of them are coming out of China. So once again, they're taking advantage of the cheap labor in China to Did in order ever, to uh, you, make their profits. Did you ever go to? Uh, I, they have uh, well, people. A lot of it is you know what what comes first, the chicken or the egg, uh, Mike. It's I mean if if I used to get uh, you know because well I used to be taller, but I used to, I used to buy everything in talls, right? Well, most stores didn't have anything in talls, so I, I early on I became a a buyer of like Eddie Bauer and those kinds of places because everything in their catalog comes in talls, so right. you go from place to place and. And I, I know the uh, the Duluth trading and uh, even the LL Bean, I think, at one time, had a, a whole set of blue jeans and maybe even other pants that were made in the U.S. And the regular jeans are 45 bucks. The ones in the U.S. are like 75 bucks. Well, two years later, I, they were out of the catalog. Nobody bought them. You know, it's, <laughs> so, it's, so some of it is, uh, you know, I, I guess... Did you ever, do you ever go to... I don't know if you have one out by you, by you... Uh, the uh, do you have one of those IKEA stores? Oh yeah, well it, we, my wife and I, and the kids actually became very familiar with IKEA in Germany. They, that's where we used to get furniture in Germany. Well, I mean, I went. Thomas, our old producer in Audrey, Thomas is trying to do something with his apartments. Of course, Audrey will shop with anybody, right? So they decided to go into IKEA. Well, of course, you know, I've got the truck, so I got to drive the two two them out there. You know, and I'm sitting there, and I, I have no interest in shopping, as you well know. I'm walking along just checking things out, so I pull up a shot class in the bottom, made in China. Were even were even the meatballs made in China in that place? I mean, there wasn't anything in there. <laughs> it wasn't. I mean, that's a good question, Tom. I, I wasn't paying enough attention to it then, but all I know is we still have in our garage and in our house, you know, bookcases made uh, or that we bought at IKEA, and and they were. Very reasonable for us to buy when we were living in Germany. But I, th- I think the uh, the Walmart, you know, their story is, and the people shop there, and not, not that I don't. I mean, if there's one around, I go in. I'm not too good for a Walmart. Uh, I, I would say that uh, wherever they can get it the cheapest, they do, and that's 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 their shtick. And if it's China, they will. If not, you know, I mean, I, some of it you really do wonder. I think what what Lou says a lot is we're really offshoring our our uh, child labor and our in our pollution because it seems to me I don't know how a lot of the cotton like in blue jeans and stuff 
is grown here. And we ship the cotton to China, make the blue jeans over there, and ship it back. Well, it seems like you must have an awfully huge advantage. Isn't, isn't there a lot of uh, pollution having to do with, with, with like, uh, bleaching cotton and then uh, dyeing it and stuff? I, I don't know anything about the garment industry. Yeah, I don't know about that process. I think All uh, I know is during the Olympics, you know, uh, China, Beijing, you know, the the climate was terrible there. And, and what's really kind of laughable to me is we were sitting down with the Chinese and trying to discuss climate change when they're probably the biggest abuser of you know our our supposed climate policies but yet we're trying to deal with them on the climate well they you know, they it's, really it's have laughable how much money Kerry has made or yeah Kerry has made traveling to China to negotiate with them um well the the people they always go with I mean that's I mean, the people, I think some of these guys are big enough where they pay both sides. But it's almost, you know, I, I don't want to, you hear two people or three people or five people arguing, you know, in a bar somewhere or in somebody's living room or whatever. And it's all this, this right and the left stuff. And they somehow, I don't know if it's, let's put it this way, it's too big for me to really understand. I mean, I, I've never been in a boardroom of a Walmart or someplace like that. So it's not like I got this all figured out because I don't. But somewhere along the line, if whether it's Reagan or, or, or Charlie DeMope gets in as president next time, when those people make a trip somewhere, the same 10 people are going to be on the trip with them. And they're going to be there trying to get... I mean, the, the first people that were on, the, were on the plane with Kissinger to China went there not because they wanted to chop suey. They went there because they wanted to deal with somebody, right? And they had a, a massive... Yeah, that's probably right. I mean, and the... You know, the ostensible reason was, you know, the ping pong, you know, diplomacy and all that stuff. So, But, I mean, those people were there because there's, there's a billion people here that look like they need a Coke every day. Right. Well, and, and, <laughs> and unfortunately, you know, the short-term aspects of capitalism have lent themselves to destroying our economy or, you know, sh- shorting our economy in lieu of finding cheaper labor and goods in China or Mexico or But there are, there are people who totally ignore the idea that, that all of a sudden you can get a pretty decent frying pan for 15 bucks where if one was made here and you had to be careful about the pollution and everything else it might be 25 bucks nobody picks up the 25 hour one I might, you might because we, we've learned something but it, why, why do you think it's here? Because people, yeah, you know, I. No, Tom, I agree with you. You know, and the the American consumer needs to be re-educated on quality products. I guess I don't know. Well, I'm gonna. I'll take a shot here, which I probably shouldn't, because you know, kids are don't are no different. If you go down to the, to the uh, mall in Michigan City, and obviously. Uh, people who are African American are, are very sensitive to any kind of a slavery issue because, duh, it was a horrible situation here. I mean, everybody knows that. We had to fight a war to break it up. And how many people died in that? I mean, it was a brutal situation. And yet, when you see the Nike store, there's there's 200 black kids in line trying to buy stuff made in China. And I'm going, man, oh man, you got to be careful. I mean, what, what are you doing? I mean, I, I would be so sensitive. I'm sensitive to it now, and I'm not black. 
<laughs> you know, I, mean, I, I don't, I, I don't see how any of those kids could buy something from if there was a hint of a slave labor on, on the thing I was buying. I don't. Well, I don't think they understand that there's slave labor involved, and it's all about the marketing there. Well, you don't, you, you don't, uh, you don't, you don't want to understand, or you don't understand. There's, there's uh, that's a good question, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, unfortunately, in American culture, I think, uh, you know, our sports personalities become heroes to some of the youth, and they become heroes to some of the middle class, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, that that's kind of nonsense. Why are, you know, why is LeBron James or Michael Jordan or whoever paid more than a quality teacher you know and I guess he had a be- what, did, what did Babe Ruth say market will bear, what did know? Babe Ruth say he had a better year yeah <laughs> <laughs> S&P futures down 8 and S&P futures down 55 for those who don't know that joke they said you feel right getting paid more than the president and he said I had a better year than the president there you go we'll be right back stacks and jacks is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day to day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at cognoshr.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello, Rupex, Dr. Jackson. I'm Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures down 7, NASDAQ Futures down 51. Big news today is Walmart's down 1070 with 2.7 billion shares outstanding. That's kind of a lot. Um, what do you think of this one, Greg? Uh, 
Should we make this our our stack of the day here and say, uh, do we like it here? I got it still at like 26 times earnings for a retailer, but little stock of the day action. Yeah, what do you what do you think? I, I, I was looking at Walmart. It looked like um, it was 153 versus 151. The, they estimated yeah. about dollar 51, and their revenue was actually up. So um, if the revenue was up, I think 1.5 billion, but as a percentage, you know, of 160. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're so huge. Yeah, that's not really significant. So uh, the the market looks like that's actually taking it down about 7% pre-market. So that's kind of in line with uh, what they were pricing it out to be in the monthlies, at least. So... Well, compared to the other guys, I think they, you know, they're probably pretty fairly priced, but I don't know how... They're so big. You went through the numbers. How, how do you grow? Yeah. Um, at least in... I was looking at 2021 uh, retail revenue, which showed that Walmart had more than just over 570 billion and to give you to give you per some um perspective costco is at 190 or was at 196 in 2021 so obviously it's probably come up since then but just looking at it um walmart was 572 in revenue and costco was was uh costco and amazon were both around 200 and home depot was 151 kroger 136 so it's it's like you know, three to four times, uh, um, and, and almost six times target. So, just just a different sale uh, size and scale for Walmart. Yeah, I mean, it's just. I mean, oh, that is. I didn't think the difference would be that big on that one. Yeah, yeah they're no. bigger than the next what three combined, aren't they? Bigger, something like that. So, if you look at at this is 2021 data, so I I couldn't find any where they're all grouped um, more recently, but but if you look at Amazon, that's like 240, and then Costco is 200. So, um, Schwartz Group in Germany is the one, two, three. That's the fourth. But you you need to go more than more than three in order to get to get to uh, Walmart size in terms of retail revenue. Well, and where's Home Depot? Like sixth, fifth, somewhere? There? Um, Home Depot is behind Schwartz Group. So they're about the same size in terms of retail revenue, about $151 billion. Then it piles, so under that, it piles to who? It piles to, like, Albertsons and people like that? Um, Albertsons is not on... Well, actually, what's, their, what's the new name? They get bought by Kroger, or are they... Yeah, so Kroger... Kroger will be bigger now because they've they yeah. merged. So, but still, you know, not... Not even close. <laughs> Not even close. If you put Kroger and uh, Amazon together, you know it still wouldn't. Or Kroger and Costco together, it still wouldn't. Still would <laughs> wouldn't even be two yeah. thirds the size of. So you, you know, you, you ask yourself, how how can you? I mean, I was I was looking at that. I mean, you know more about Adobe than I do. I, I've been watching that because it's up like two hundred some bucks this year, and I've got about eleven times revenue for God's sake. And they do eighteen billion a year. I mean, that's that's well, that's a lot of dough. I mean, I don't know how you, how do they get to thirty six? You almost look at you look at the stock prices versus the uh, you know they turn into Walmart. Well, but you end, store. yeah, but you, but you end up <laughs> thinking this is this is a growth company. How how can they if they're doing well? They got great margins. Every people must like the product. I mean, the guy the guy's doing the good. marginal cost of their product or the marginal sale. How do how do you describe that? It's well, the, it's the, mar the marginal cost is the 
it's a cost accounting term. It means what does it actually cost you to produce the next product, right. not including your fixed income, your fixed expenses. So their their sales, just because of the internet, you know, the margin is so high and it's so easy to sell if you if, if you have the right thing, then it, it could double maybe. At least that's what they're thinking. Well, you asked me. If and Adobe does have good products, and they yeah. pretty much have a corner on that market. So, well, I, I don't disagree. I'm just saying, um, but you would you would say somebody with 11 times revenue. I don't really care about the earnings because you say the margin can get even better. But 11 times revenue, you'd say that that's a real lot. Okay, the, the, the stock is high now. Is this company at the at if it was, uh, you know. Uh, Murphy, Murphy and Pappas hot dog stands, and you've got two of them, and your plans are to have two hundred. I wouldn't. Wouldn't. Well, there's uh, actually a, a live case like that out there right now, and Portillo's is public. Okay, yeah. And maybe they've got you know eighty or a hundred stores, maybe. Well, I'm saying they they, they could possibly their market double. cap is nine yeah. <laughs> hundred nine hundred million. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying is that when you get so big, you sit there. How, how do you? I get. Let me put it, put it another way. Take the top seven stocks, or eight or nine. They're all priced as if they're growth stocks. If they all, how big? Where would they have to go to all double? They'd have to be the next AI company. Yeah, I mean, but I'm mean, I, 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 I saying I ask this for a reason because this this is a, this is a kind of the same movie to me because it happened in 2000. You had five six stocks that were 40 to 45 percent of the QQQs. Let me see if I can name Cisco, which is down on its ass this morning. It's down almost 12%. Uh, with Cisco, Oracle, Microsoft, uh, Dell. Yeah, and now it's just uh, Apple, Microsoft, Intel. Amazon, yeah, well, Nvidia, was, Meta. Was, was five of them, five or six of but, them. But it's on top, I think, the top two are the ones that dominate. The Apple and Microsoft are both 10% right. of the index. What I'm saying, I, I, I did a study back in, that, in those days. I still did stupid studies back then. I did a study and I said, okay, Intel's got this going for them. Uh, uh, Cisco's got this going for them. And any one of them, to me, could have, it could have doubled. Okay, I'm just looking at the size of the company, but for them to like double or triple to really work their way into their stock price, Cisco's uh, revenue per share was like five, and the stock was trading over sixty. It's revenue. We're not talking about income. So I mean, it was it was pretty pricey. So my thought was. If every one of these companies had to triple to grow into their stock prices, it, it was like the, the GDP. It, it, it couldn't happen. Sort of like now. I mean, I'm not saying that Microsoft could be the only company standing 10 years from now. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't bet against them, honestly. Uh, I think overall you'd probably have to get your opinion on technology in general. Okay. Because what, with the Qs, it's probably 50% tech. Right, but the, the, but the 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 point I guess is simple: Microsoft, uh, Tesla, you name it, the Apple, those companies, they all could be twenty years from now they could be bigger than God, but not all of them can. Is my my point? The, there's not enough money in the world for all of them to triple and, and quadruple. Isn't that the idea with the Qs though? You pick up the index. Well, that's so that, that would be the idea. Yeah, the Qs went from 120 to what 20. 2000. I'm not predicting that Oof. now, but Mike, you remember that? <laughs> the market just kind of slid off the the. Uh, I you know we had we had. Yeah, if uh, you like technology, the cues make a lot of sense. 
Well, yeah, I, I remember. See, I, I wish you'd have been in the audience. The, the Bodias. Now speaking though, the, I think, I think Costco is also in the queues. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, but but it's it's minuscule. I mean, uh, the, the 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 top seven or or fifty percent of the index. Well, Costco's definitely top ten. Okay, but it's it's probably no more than two. Well, or 3% but though. you run into all kinds of problems when you have that kind of an index. By the way, I put money in there every day for people or every week. I'm sitting, I, I know that when I buy the queues, and I think some of these stocks are really expensive. I know that I'm putting for every dollar I put in of somebody else's money that wants to be in the queues. I'm putting 50 cents in those seven stocks. So yeah. a lot of it is just driven by the indexes are now driving the stock prices, which, you know, which which means that it, that they even get you know greater and greater percentage and it just keeps growing. It becomes like an amoeba. That's what Soros would call the reflexivity effect. Yeah, it's like you know, it's a so Mike to get back to the other part, the the relation between the economy and the military is is not usually. Uh, front and center to people because some countries looks like it isn't but I think to a certain extent I don't think it change, would have changed the outcome but it sure would have made things a lot harder I mean Hitler essentially jumped to a war footing a year or two early because he was out of dough right well you know I, 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 you know Tom I, I don't know uh, how he managed to do it so quickly uh i guess by expanding but i mean for a long time the german army was training with shovels and spades rather than actual weapons so it took him a while to build up his uh complex but he also. Had, but he was deep in debt when when they were because he was building all this stuff and paying all these people he was deep in debt and his only his only solution was to expand and steal other people's money to pay him well, I think you're right, and you know, but that was the whole basis, you know. And you always bring up the Weimar Republic, but uh, you know, the 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 reparations from World War One really affected Germany. I mean, that probably caused it probably had something to do with the depression. So, well, you know where a lot of that money came from? We're talking about the twenties. Was before, well, it had probably something to do with the depression starting. Sure, a lot of that was in the twenties, and the because I. <laughs> Actually, did some crazy work. I don't know if you know if you even know about this, Mike. But there's a lot of bear, German bearer bonds in circulation that are essentially gold-backed in German banks that are now worthless, even though the banks are still in existence, the companies are in existence, and the gold's probably still there. So it was a total circle bleep. We want to call it. The Germans were paying the French and the and the Brits reparations. Right. They were turning around and paying us. World War One debt, and we were allowing the German government, for lack of a better term, to sell bonds in this country that turned out worthless. So our people were buying German bonds. The money was going to Germany. Turn around, went to Britain and France, and turn around and went back to our government. To think that our, your, the government is always on your side, you know, I, it's not like I'm a revolutionary, but when you think about that, what a, what a fiasco that was! And now the bonds are no good. Well, and and what what's going to happen to the Chinese when they figure out that our money's no good too? You know. Well, what do they? What do you think is going on there? I mean, better than theirs. Yeah. Well, even I mean, what was the article we talked well, about? Well, that's true. It is right now. It's better than theirs. But which, you know, what direction 
I I have to think about this one a little bit more. You know, I guess their debt keeps coming back to us in cheaper goods. So I guess maybe as long as we keep buying, you know, maybe President, second President Bush was right. Let's just shop until we really drop, I guess. But well, the, the, people are those, slowing down on that, too. So. Well, they have the uh, Evergrande one under. The, the latest guys, the uh, what's the name of the place? I always forget, Greg. Uh, Garden something garden uh, that, that's two or three times bigger than Evergrande. Those guys went under a few weeks ago, right? And now they say that the the, the state debt on a lot of this property is bigger than either one of those places. So I don't know what the status is, and even Dan can't find out of of all the uh, dollar denominated debt that people sent money over to China. Not just dollar, but euro euro denominated. That stuff that did not even come, come uh, through the system. That was direct loans, sort of like these bearer bonds I was talking about in the twenties direct loan some people here to China. Now, I don't know who's holding all that paper, and I don't know if it's, you know, 2% of their basket, in which case I guess they can absorb it pretty easily, or is it 40%? I mean, who, who's involved? Is it BlackRock? Is it other people? I mean, I, I'd like to have some list. Right? I hope the Fed has some idea who owns all this debt and what happens if it goes under. And that's the craziest well, part. Country Garden had said yeah. they wanted a holistic solution. Whatever <laughs> so, that means. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what's that mean? Yeah, well, here we go. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but but you you never really know when all this stuff happened in two thousand and seven, two thousand eight. One of the biggest, on a percentage term to them, one of the biggest blowups was some regional bank in Germany that nobody even heard about. Mike, you, you mean you, I don't know. You don't know. You wonder if anybody knows where this stuff is concentrated. I mean, where where does Country Garden's debt? Who in this country owns the most of it? And if it, if they get nothing back on a buck, <clears throat> what kind of shape are they in? And are they? Yeah, well, I mean, your point about the Fed—if they, you know, whether they know or don't know something—I would have a. This is too cynical. But, you know, seeing what the Fed has done recently, I'd say that their batting average is like uh, they're below the Mendoza line. So I wouldn't rely on them for anything. Well, but you look at what happened in 2007, 2008. I mean, if you're a – and again, Mike went to a lot of these classes with me. Um, you sit there and go, all right, we have a tremendous demand for mortgages at 6.5%. Well, I've been in the business a long time, 6.5%. Doesn't look like I doesn't feel to me like I took five Viagra pills. Six and a half percent is not that much. What's what's the point? However, if the if the Murphy Chief Pappas Group can manage to borrow three million dollars from some schmuck, and we take the three million and we go over to Japan and we borrow another fifty million, and we buy mortgages and we're paying two percent in Japan and we're getting six and a half for the mortgage, now it starts to look like six and a half starting to look pretty good, doesn't it? So. You, there's the the amount of leverage on those mortgages, where everybody who's a, I'll say a regular person, which I think I am too, will say, "Well, we, all we're doing is giving mortgages to people who didn't deserve it." I mean, you know, these people, you know, no doc this, no doc that. Well, that was part of it, but every every mortgage <clears throat> over here hit thirty five. Every dollar mortgage had thirty five hours worth of leverage on it, which is scary. I mean, if if the mortgage just would have gone under. We'd have survived that real easy. We'd just been, you know, I mean, it wouldn't have been nice, but it would. But there was like thirty-five. Or so all this money was coming from Japan. Now, Mike, I can't figure that out. Neither can you. Neither can my investors. But the Fed should be able to figure out why is all this money being borrowed in Japan and all of a sudden racing over here. 
if anybody can see those kinds of cash flows, it's going to be them or it's going to be some bank or somebody who's, it's got to be coming through Morgan or some of those places, right? How's it getting here? It's not coming through well, PTI. Tom, I agree with you, but, you know, are they, do they have alerts on, you know, and Germany always, their, their interest rates usually are historically low also. So, I mean, and I don't know about the Swiss. I, also, I know is that, you know, a mortgage in Germany could be very cheap because I considered buying a house at one time when we were living over there, but we thought about it, but then we just said, no, we're never going to stay here. So, what were the uh, what were the terms? Just like here, was it thirty year or ten year? I mean, what was no, it? it was it was ten year. They like the ten and the twenty years. They like a shorter uh, term. Was it amortized over ten or was it a balloon? I think it was amortized, actually. Oh, so you had to pay back. So that'd be a high that'd be a high rate. I mean, a high payment, not a high rate. It'd be a high payment, correct? And that's what, but. You know, I had friends of ours, and you know, we we could do it too because essentially the government was paying our um, would have been paying our mortgage uh, because we were getting, you know, what's called a housing allowance. Then, so did most of the time you live on the base or no? Some of the time we lived on base. Uh, actually, toward the end of my career, we lived off post most of the time. But, but fairly close. Oh, yeah, you had to be close. Although, when I was, uh, we stayed in the vicinity of Heidelberg because Gene was working in Heidelberg and I was uh, I was working part-time kind of in Heidelberg, but the majority of the time in Darmstadt, Germany, so, which is about uh, 60 kilometers away from Heidelberg. I actually have a, a client um, from uh, Arizona, that has actually offered me his place a couple times. Very nice of him, but I never was able to get down there. But he, he's got a house. Uh, what's the big airbase down there? Is it an airbase? Yeah, Ramstein is a big. No, air man, base. I'm talking about in, in, in Phoenix. Um, oh, in Phoenix. Oh, Davis Monthan is. That's the graveyard of uh, the planes. Actually. All right, because yeah, because he was saying he's his uh, house is not that far from the base, and usually he has it rented out to a you know a captain or somebody and their family. So he does right. That. If you ever get a chance, Davis Mountain is a. It's really a fascinating place to visit because of all the different air, you know, uh, out of business airplanes that are there or wow. military aircraft that's there. Did you ever go to the uh, Wright Patterson Museum? No, but when we were in Arizona, we went to Davis Mountain. I probably went there once or twice because of you know it's it's just fascinating the aircraft that are there. Oh yeah, I've never I've been there half a day and a full day, and I've never made it out of the buildings to outside yet. That's how big the place is. How much if you actually want to read the stuff, like on the walls and stuff, it is absolutely fascinating. Right. I mean, it's a uh, crazy stuff. So we're. we're is, is can you think of uh, Lou sent me some stuff regarding a because uh, uh, we've all been talking to him about what companies would you invest in in uh, you know if you want if you think we're going to spend a lot of money in the military and he sent me one company but it looks like they were they were already a, a subsidiary of uh, either Lockheed or uh, who are the other guys Raytheon was they were already a subsidiary they were somebody who was doing uh, some kind of uh, air defense missile that was I think you probably got it. it. Was like it was like half the size of the ones we had been doing, and like for the air, what do they call the thing in Israel? The uh, iron. The, iron. the it, it's probably the interceptor 
uh, yeah. missile. Um, and and I don't know what company that is. So. But I think they were part of either Lockheed or Raytheon. They, they already were bought up. Right. Well, they well they could be Northrop Grumman too. That's another big what, one. Might have been them. And actually, Northrop Grumman has a facility here in in Charlottesville. But the uh, and, and you know it's really ironic. Tom is the we had uh, people protesting against the Israel Palestine war, really on the side of Palestine. Uh, outside the Northrop Grumman facility, which is, you know, essentially like a, well, it's a pretty big facility. I don't know how many square feet it is, but I, I found that interesting one day when we were driving down to play bridge or something. Well, you know, it's, uh, I was with a gentleman last night who's, uh, we have Mr. Flanagan with us. Um, John, how are you? I was with a gentleman last night. Uh, by the way, Mr. Flanagan's always invited to these, these get-togethers. He never shows up, but, uh, the uh, the guy was telling me he is an attorney. He's older than me, uh, and uh, you know, get a load of this. This dude, when he was real young, his his grandmother was a friend of of Patty Berg. Remember her, the golf lady, and and Babe Diedrichson was a Harris. He said when he was like two years old, Babe Babe Diedrichson babysat him a couple times. Yeah, that's is that something. wild? Because they were all, I guess they were all from the Chicago's East Side. That, that whole, well, they were all great golfers. Oh yeah, for sure. But uh, but he was saying the uh, he goes, you know, I'm 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 surely for Israel. He goes, but they they got to realize that their that their opinion of, of acceptable collateral damage is not the same as a lot of other people. They, they they at least have to understand that. Now whether they change their their, but they they must understand that the, the women and kids, even if even if the Hamas is all around them, you got to be careful with that. And it's kind of where I'm at. I mean. Well, but Tom, they have been careful with it. They, I mean, they've Much more been careful than the U.S. The, was. You know, the the, the the amount of discriminant violence. You know, let's talk about what Hamas has done. I and understand what they it. Continue to do. You know, I, I I I'm just saying when when it's it becomes. By the way, you know, I agree with you on this. It's just a question of if you were to talk to some guy up the up the chain in uh, China. He'll tell you how many times they told the people to leave Tiananmen Square, but nobody pays any attention to that. All you see is a tank running over the guy, right? Right. Okay. I mean, uh, we we did. Uh, you remember? We did, we'll talk about this for a second. When 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 they kicked all the they burned all the people out in Washington that were demonstrating there during Roosevelt's administration. Remember that? Story? Well, and yeah, I do remember that. It was you know part of the war thing. And. uh those people were there very legitimately, and yet we got tired of it. We burned them out. You know, I don't know. They had nowhere else to go, but, uh, you know, this kind of stuff happens. And uh, I'm just saying you have to be careful. Well, look at the modern day, the camps in New York City, and, you know, you'll have – well, you already have a tent city in Chicago now, too, and now those people, you know, want to go back to Venezuela because, well, you know, Chicago got cold. They, oh, they, imagine that. They, Chicago they, gets cold in the wintertime. They probably know? couldn't find a place – less functional in Venezuela until they found Chicago. <laughs> I mean, I... I, I well, you know, that's a sad enough, state of affairs, there. Tom, when Chicago is worse than Venezuela. When you drive by one of these police stations and you see the tents out there um, and you can look at it and say, God, this is awful. What are these people doing here? You can also sit there and see a whole bunch of seemingly able-bodied people not, not smoking dope, not drinking, kind of looking for a job and say, 
Look, let's just get everybody something to do, for God's sake. Here's here's something for you guys. One of the guys who uh, who the restaurant hired is you know lives down the street. Whatever he try try out some of the the migrants, and and he just informed us uh, yesterday that he was going to move to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna go do a elect, electrician apprentice in Florida. So not only are we losing people to Florida because of taxes, we're also losing migrants to Florida because because they can actually get a job done. Right. Well, and the weather's a hell of a lot better too. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we we lost how many people we lost in the city, John, in the last three years? Three hundred thousand or something, or four years? Oh yeah, and the state of Illinois yeah. too. Yeah. Compounded up statewide. I mean, I, I just, I wonder, I honestly do, do we, do we even know? I mean, I just, I drove by these two stations because I got so many ramps closed. I have to drive by the station every time on Wednesday. Uh, do we even know what those people are capable of doing? Have we ever, have we ever sat down and said, okay, there's 100 people here. How, how do we know if 10 of them aren't electricians or plasterers or something? How do we know if half the women aren't nurses or anything like that? Have we even asked? Well, you know, in a normal immigration process, you screen people. It's just like when you're interrogating, you know, or trying to, you know, screen a bunch of people that the military would do. And we're we're not screening anybody coming over the border, at least to my knowledge. It doesn't seem like our immigration system is so broke at this point. It's really, really sad. But I'm saying this, this 80 or 100 people right there. Why, why can't we just? I can't solve the whole world. It's, what, what, what do we do when you uh, when you adopt a dog? What do they tell you? You can't change the you can't change the world for all the other dogs, but you sure hell can change the world for one dog. I'm not I'm not comparing these people to dogs. But why can't we just say, let's send ten people over there today with a couple of trailers and bring everybody in, see how everybody what do they do, what are their skills? We we could accomplish that today. Now we can't do everybody today. But we can do something, and we're not doing anything. It doesn't appear. Or am I just ranting off here, John? I mean, we we haven't been doing anything for a long time, Tom. You know, the the thing I think people kind of lose sight of in Chicago is that we've had a serious um, immigration problem, really, for the last 25, 30 years. But it was not, you know, what we see now. We have we've always had. You know, a situation where there's been an absorption of, of people from other places illegally, um, and it's not just from Central America or Mexico, but it's from Ireland and, and other countries too. Of people who just come and never leave, and they have you know a network of family here and friends, so it isn't like they are, are very visible, uh, you know, outside of their immediate families, and they don't talk about their immigration status or you know any of that among them people they don't know very well um, but what we've had recently and what I don't think that the city bargained for and certainly New York didn't bargain for was you know Governor Abbott in Texas hustling people out of Texas to other places on buses and people arriving here with no you know leg up and absorption into any kind of a local you know a family structure or an economy um, families some of them together some of them you know in bits and pieces but we don't. We were presented with something in in a more, you know, intense fashion that's been happening all along. And now it's like, oh my God, we got this problem. But we've we've had the same problem for a long time, and it just nobody ever cared about it. And they clearly didn't see this, 
you know, wrinkle coming where people would be immediately exported from Texas to other, you know, blue cities. But well, why nobody saw that coming or, or, you know, had some kind of, you know, plan B about what to do about it just shows how incompetent our city management is. Jen, I, 10, 12 years ago, I'm, you know, thinking back, we got to go break here, but we had a, a, a series where everybody in the block was doing some kind of remodeling, right? So you had all these guys working. And, you know, me being, I had scruff at the time. So I'm out walking the dog. So I'm out walking the dog. Imagine me talking to everybody, right? So there's this, this Irish carpenter. I can barely, you know, he's got the brogue going, but I could understand him. And uh, I started talking to this guy. Whenever I took the dog out, he happened to be on break. And I go, uh, so where are you from? He goes, from Ireland. I know you're from Ireland. <laughs> I get that part. You didn't have to tell me that. But he goes, yeah, I'm here. He goes, all these people are bitching at me. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, you know, I'm not this. I'm not that. He goes, I'm making good dough. I'm a good carpenter. Everybody seems to want me. I'm in, I'm in demand every day, as, as all my buddies here are. I don't see anybody showing up here. He goes, I don't see anybody, any rich people's kids wanting to be a carpenter. I don't see any black people wanting to be a carpenter. He goes, and everybody's bitching at me like I shouldn't do it. If anybody else wants to come over here and, and they're in the union, they want to take my job, good, I'll go somewhere else. So finally one day I go, hey, you look like you're leaving. He goes, I am. Somebody wants to hire me in London for twice what I'm making here. See ya. I mean, what, what did the guy do harm-wise? I mean, it wasn't like anybody was pushing him out of the job. Nobody, nobody was running over from, from college on weekends saying, I want to be a, harp, a carpenter. Nobody wants to work like that here. doesn't appear. Not nobody, but a lot of people don't. SP Futures down 3, Nancy Futures down 33. Again, we got Walmart down 10.50. We've got Cisco uh, down uh, 5.08. Those are into the 10% range. Be right back, Stocks and Jacks. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, North Bay Stocks and Jacks. I'm talking about Greg Pappas on the board. Evidently, used guys are out there shopping at Walmart, but you're buying more food and other stuff, which is not as high of a margin, but. You're still buying, but you're buying different things. So Walmart's down, uh, I said, 10.92, which is a lot. I mean, that's six and a half percent. We're stocked with 22.6 billion shares outstanding. 30 so what, billion in market cap. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of dough in one day, right? So just it's gone. He gone. He gone. Uh, so we've got the uh, over in Europe. We have uh, the DAX up 72.5 percent. FTSE down 43.6 percent. FTSE just gone po- uh, positive for the year yesterday, so they probably backed after that a little bit, so they're probably even on the year. CAC around down 25.4%. We go over in Asia, sort of a slower day than they have been. Nikkei down 95.3%, but they were way up yesterday. Hang Seng down 246. They backed off that run at 18,000. That's 1.4%. They are by far the most volatile uh, 
exchange that we talk about every morning, which is really crazy, one, two, three percent a day. Shanghai down 21.7 percent. Yesterday we were up, but not like we have been. Uh, Dow Jones up 163, S&P only up seven, Nasdaq only up nine, so somewhat of a quiet day. Uh, bonds, 10-year down uh, eight more basis points, 4.46, so in no danger of going through five anytime soon, it doesn't appear. Uh, Bund down three, uh, basis points 2.59. Japan down 1 to 0.79. So interest rates are continuing to slide down. Oil down 31 cents, 76.35. And I'll tell you what, it's a good thing I didn't, I didn't act on my instincts because I sure would have thought two wars that would be going up and it's going straight down. Rent down 37 cents, 80.81. Natural gas up 4 cents, 3.23. Arbob down 2 cents, 2.17. Gold up 3.80, 19.68. It's trying to catch a bit here. It, been moving up since the 1925 or something it was last week, but still it doesn't look like it's going to 2000 directly anyway. Silver up 15 cents, 23.69. Copper unchanged, 372. Bitcoin down 605, that's 1.6%. They had a nice run up, and now it's coming back down, 36,951. And the U.S. dollar is flipped around here. The U.S. dollar is now down um, a little bit with the, with the euro is up to 1087. It was 106, 107 for a long time, so it's up percent or two in the last week or so uh, and the British pound is uh, up a little bit at 124 it's been hanging at 122 so the dollar has dropped some uh, in the last couple of weeks. Greg what do you have for us uh, traffic weather sports? Morning everyone 738 here in Chicago 47 degrees right now 64 today breezy Phoenix 65 today or right now 77 uh, today cooler with some cloud cover Traffic, inbound Kennedy is 38 minutes from Montrose to the interchange. Edens from Lake Cook is 79 minutes. Inbound Ike from Wolf is 49 minutes. Ryan is um, 95th in the interchange is 31 minutes. And the Stevenson from I-94 to, to the Ryan is 41 minutes. NHL, Coyotes at Blue Jackets tonight. And the Lightning at the United Center for the Hawks. NBA, Bulls lose by two at home. That was the Magic, 96, the Bulls 94. Suns beat the Timberwolves, 133 to 115. And tonight we've got Bengals at Ravens on Amazon Prime for NFL. That's all I got, Chief. Back to you. Um, what do you guys, uh, are, are, the, are the Bulls going to dump the, uh, what's his name? Or Zach Levine? I don't even know who Zach Levine is, Tom. He's a... <laughs> He's, Me neither. He's a guy. Well, John, you're here in Chicago. He's I plead ignorance about the whole stuff. He's a guy who likes to shoot a real lot, and he's uh, got a max contract. Which well, is the what, cap hit is $40 million. Yeah, he's $38 so, million a year, right, or something? That's what he's getting paid? Well, this year it was 38 Next year it's going to be 40 So He's a max guy. Yeah. What college did he play at? I have no idea. I mean, Zach Levine went to UCLA. Did, did he blast oh, a while? No wonder I don't know anything about him. Yeah, he's he's uh I think ten years in or nine years in and max. Oh, contract. and they gave him a big contract like that. Wow. Yeah, he really so he's he's, he's max contract. That sounds like the Bears management. The same management team. Yeah, it's the is the Lithuanian guys that used to play basketball would say he's allergic to leather. <laughs> Do you know what that means, Greg? Allergic to leather. Yeah. Doesn't like to shoot, or he likes to shoot the. As soon as he gets in his hands, he's got to let it go. Yeah. <laughs> he signed. I like that one, Tom. I never heard that one. <laughs> the uh, they had some interesting lines. The Lithuanian dudes. They, you know how, how you have some guys that are big, and you have some guys that are big and seem like you know whenever they do something, people fly. 
They have a term for that. Was he, he takes up space, and he creates space. <laughs> yeah, he creates space, right? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever he moves, a guys, you see the man. In other words, huh? yeah, there was a one of the guys we used to play <laughs> that with. Kind of sounds the way you used to play too. Yeah, I was no, I never. I was those guys are a lot bigger than me. I mean, uh, they. I mean, I was tall, but I was well. Well, I, I should I should a be lot slender. Stronger than you, probably too. Actually. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, there was a guy. Uh, one of my this guys, you know, he's way older. This Irish dude used to hang around the Tripoli, but uh, he's, you know, he's in a <laughs> home now. Unfortunately, nice guy. One of his buddies was this dude. Uh, what the hell was his name? Uh, Nor Norbust or something. He was from Croatia. He was a buddy of uh, he's a little older, but a buddy of uh, Tony Kukoc and those guys. And he played right. on, he played on the on the Serbian national team or something, and the dude was probably maybe not more than a couple inches taller than me, but shoulders had to be four inches wider. His legs were as big. Well, both of mine were the size of one of his, right. and I and I can only, and his hands were massive. I can only imagine when this guy went for the ball. Three guys ended up in the front row. I mean, he just the guy couldn't move without spraying people. He was just he was just that big and that strong. I mean, I, well, the Serbs. You know, for a long time, as you well know, have been very good on the world. Uh, you know, in in the world in basketball, just like the Croatians and the Lithuanians. But his, his kid, uh, talk about a. Uh, you might be know some of this, but um, his his wife was from uh, Russia, but evidently, somehow she got out of Russia, and got tossed into a German finishing school without without knowing any German. I can only imagine how much she probably got picked on there. Maybe, maybe she didn't, but she ends up knowing like five languages, right? And he knows several. So the kid, who was a big math star, we went to one of the big math schools here, the kid knows five languages, and, he's, and he was a basketball player. But the old man says to me, even though the kid's like 6'4", hey, I'll never make it. He's not mean enough. Well, and he's probably not tall enough either. Well, he so. was he was tall. He just he's just not mean enough. He's not willing to do what has to be done. <laughs> Jeez. Talking about his own kid. The kid is a freshman at uh, uh, what's the place in Irving and, and uh, Lane Tech. They got a real super Jan knows, but they got a super math and science curriculum there for people that are really bright, right, Jan? It's a real it's yeah, a real it's like an enrollment. Yeah. yeah, it's a real. But well, he was there taking like advanced calculus as a freshman. And because he knew the languages and because his parents had traveled the world, the CIA had already talked to the guy, like, several times. They were already recruiting him. Is that how that works, Mike? If you got a bunch of languages and you're smart, they, they at least know who you are? Well, they probably find out about you somehow, Tom. Um, they find you. And, and, yeah. they, and maybe he expressed an interest, too. He might have gone to an information session at Lane Tech or at DePaul or somewhere in Chicago. And and then the process begins. Well, yeah, and they, uh, but I mean, knowing those languages fluently is it's got to be a huge advantage. I mean, did you ever really oh, learn? Oh, that's it's it, it's a definite advantage, and that's why there are so many Mormons in uh, military intelligence is because they've all gone somewhere and done a mission, and they learned another language. Plus, their background is usually very clean. Did you ever get really good at German, or just enough to get along? Tom, I taught German at West Point. I was pretty good at German, yes. But you didn't take that at Notre Dame or anything, did you? No, unfortunately I didn't. I took Spanish at Notre Dame. How'd that work out? It, you know, it's been okay. Donde One of these days, Obanio. maybe we'll get to Spain. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny. When I was a policeman in uh, 
Florida, I was trying to talk to some sort of a Hispanic immigrant, and she just looked at me like I was, you know, like some sort of an idiot when I was trying to talk to her in Spanish, and it it just didn't work. <laughs> I, I ended up just talking English with her. And she had broken English, and I was maybe using some broken Spanish, but it, that my my Spanish didn't pay off it in that one particular instance. Well, Lou ended up taking, uh, I don't know how he had the force, and he took Russian at the Air Force Academy. So a lot of his, he's done a lot of business in Russia because he knows fluent Russian, and he uh, stationed there for JAG, I think, over there too. And, uh, you know, it was obviously he was in a lot of the electric warfare flights around Russia where he probably could understand what the Russians were saying on the radio. Well, he might have been a collector too. Who knows? Uh, um, what's a collector? Well, if he was sitting up in a plane, he could have been at a position in a plane listening to radio transmissions. That's what I was trained to do in the Army, was listen to radio transmissions coming out of East Germany at the time. I'll, I'll bet he was, too. Because I don't think he was... Even though I think he was technically a pilot, I don't think he ever flew the thing. He was always doing the electronic stuff. Right. Well, it, it, and the Air Force is very good, and, and the Army used to be good at it, too. You know, they would utilize their people, get them trained, and, you know, and uh, and then I, I was eventually supposed to become what was called a voice cryptologic interceptor, but then I went to officer's training school, and... Uh, but then the army used my uh, my knowledge of German when I was stationed in Germany, so it paid off for both of us in the long run. Well, cool. I mean, I I'm, I'm so I'm so bad at languages. I mean, I have enough trouble in English. I just, you know, when I, I transferred at Notre Dame from pre med into arts and letters, right? Well, in arts and letters, you got to take three semesters of a language, and I'm like, how the hell am I going to do this? So they put me in an early French. Out of all the classes in Notre Dame, you know, we usually had some grumpy old priest teaching us or something. This class had this beautiful young lady teaching French. I mean, real nice. Well, and you were talking yesterday that you took Italian in. Well, that's Notre why. I, she, she, the, the style <laughs> of the class was that they, they, you, you, she started speaking French day one and just pointing at stuff. And you're supposed to pick it up that quick? Well, every all the other mopes in the class probably had two or three years of high school, even though they said they had none. They were all sandbagging, and then there was me, who actually had none. And I go, i got to get out of here. So the guy says, look, we got this old couple that teaches Italian here. They have like eight or nine students in the class. They won't flunk you. Go over there. <laughs> so that's what I did. Yeah, so then you sandbagged because your mother probably spoke Italian. Oh, no, my, gran my grandmother did. Sandbag. Okay. Get a lot of this. My grandfather, when he got here, of course, he was from Italy. He refused to live in the Italian neighborhood. says, I'm moving to America to live with all the other people. They moved in Inglewood, of all places, and that in the Italian part of town. And he ref he wouldn't let Italian be spoken in the house because we're 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 uh, we're Americans now. So well, that's good. He was progressive. Well, my mother said, "I wish I would have learned it." Yeah. Well, that, that I mean, it's when I had cadets at West Point, uh, it was the same deal as you were just talking about. They had all taken some sort of high school German, and then they would be in the beginning German class so that they could at least get one decent grade. Yeah, well... You know, they were playing the game there, too. So. Well, I mean, the games are made to be played, right? Isn't that the... Uh, yes, unfortunately. That's well, I mean, I, I mean, my... my, my what, is, what is my nephew's daughter? My... my uh, I don't know, whatever relation she is to me. But her... her uh, 
grandparents on the other side are Polish, and by age four, she was speaking Polish too. I think it's great. No, it and it's very useful in today's uh, economy and in the world. You know. All right, John. In ten minutes, you have to explain to us how all the problems that you know Dan and I were talking about with uh, having essentially what both of us feel are are two tiers of the economy. Some people that are getting the money and some people that aren't. Most of the people aren't. They're just looking at higher prices. And uh, the, um, I mean, yesterday I just, I don't know what, how it flashed into my brain when I was driving home. It's like if you had a quarter million dollars in the bank and all of a sudden your car conked out and you had to buy a new decent truck and by the way you got a leak in your roof and you spent four nights in Northwestern, you're, you're, you're done. You're toast. You could blow through a quarter million dollars that quick. And you, and you thought you were flush. I mean, I, I think, I hope people don't look at it and say, what could possibly happen? What if that ha- this happened to me or that happened to me? I don't know if anybody's got enough money to, to, to cover all that. But to, anyway, how, how, how are we going to somehow even have a debate without worrying about whose side, who's on? How are we going to get what the three of us and the rest of the people on the show seem to think? How are we going to get the real problems listed in some sort of order like Greg did for us for the the, the uh, retail places and have anybody talk about them at all in any of the debates leading up to the, the election? Are they going to avoid every single topic? Go ahead first, well, I think the, the elec- election itself is just becoming a, a toxic subject. Um, by that I mean it's, um, it's going to be as ugly and hard fought as you know, the 2016 or the 2020 election, and maybe you know far worse. Uh, there's been no reconciliation among voters to the situations that you know they're presented with. Uh, it's a blame game of, of the most intense kind, and you know it, it, people are scrounging to keep their you know families afloat, and they're looking for the nearest you know scapegoat or alibi or whatever to you know blame it on somebody else or some group of people and this is classic divide and conquer mentality and it's always been you know a precursor to a you know a general loss of freedom on everybody's part and a a loss of you know freedom to talk about things a a loss of freedom to um, negotiate Um, people are are just locked into their um, attitudes and and fears and hatreds and I never recall anything like this 1968 looks a lot you know more you know placid and docile by comparison and I thought you know 1968 was just a hellish experience to look through that year oh God, yeah. but it's much much worse now and I, I'm I'm you know this talk Roseanne Barr and other comedians and other people who were maybe not really so funny anymore because they're they're, they're really talking about pretty serious stuff but a lot of people seem to think there won't even be a 2024 election. I uh, um, I was going to ask if this turns into the bleep show. I think it's going to be the same two guys running. Four years from now, is it possible we could have a third party? Where most of the, because I think most people don't want either one of these guys in there. Well, I think I think it's a realistic chance, Tom. This time that we have a third party. Kind of you know, they have this, this no-labels group and mansion floating around out there and Larry Hogan on the moderate Republican side. 
But John is absolutely correct. The, the lack, the total lack of civil discourse in the United States right now is, you know, is um, amazing to me and not in a good way. You, you don't have to do this, and I wouldn't wish it on you, but one day before my guy came to help me shovel the snow, we had all the snow, and I just was thinking about third parties. Why I did, I have no idea. So I spent an hour on the computer going from state to state just trying to look and see how hard it would be for somebody, third party, to get on the ballot in enough states to win. It is impossible. When you, t- when you talk about a third party this time, it's already, we're talking a year, okay? A year's like a long time if you're uh, in jail. <laughs> but it's, it's, there's no chance. If, if, if somebody, if we decided among the three of us right now, we have a big, somebody's running for president, and somebody gave us a billion dollars, I'll bet by the time we hired a team, to even try and do it, if we got on a ballot in 15 states, we'd be doing spectacularly. It's it's totally rigged against anybody doing that. The, these, the, and, and even more so, Tom, I think any third-party candidate that would get a leg up, um, you know, and be serious contender uh, in the run-up to the election, I think at this point would, would have to be perceived as somebody who's being controlled by one of the other two parties. As a, you know, creation of a spoiler. I don't even trust the, the, the third party option um, as being something that has a kind of grass, grassroots source and w- wouldn't be funded by you know whatever you know intelligence operation or you know philanthropic well, group or whatever well, else. Who's funding Kennedy, with. John? You know that that would be my question. Well, you know, I think you know the, the big discussions these say about who really is most threatened by Kennedy's candidacy. Well, it's got to be the Democrats, the Democrats for the, sure. The average person doesn't even seem to know there is, you know, a, a Robert F. Kennedy Jr. running. You, you, you wouldn't know about it very much from reading any newspaper that I read. He's, he's, um, he can't get in the press, and I, I don't think, Mike, he's at the time, he's at the time, uh, spot yet where he needs any money. He hasn't, he hasn't run any ads, has he? No, I don't. Th- well, he might have run something, and you know, and the, and there's some signs distributed here in Charlottesville because it's a university town, and you know, and he's the he could be an environmental type candidate. So, well, and then the Green Party, you got Jill Stein threw her hat in the ring too. So, you know, how who many, sponsors her? But how many ballots are there? Yeah, I don't know, Tom. You, you make an extremely valid point. You know, Ross Perot got 18 or 19 percent of the population, but he didn't win any electoral college votes. I don't so. know that. I think he, I'm not positive if he made it any any ballot. I think the uh, Libertarian Party a couple elections ago, maybe the first time ever made it in every state, or they they made it to 45 of them. Or, but if you like Illinois, you you don't even have to. Uh, the other parties don't even need petitions. You'd have to get yeah. petitions. Can you imagine the court fight in every single state that the other two guys would fight against your petitions, and they don't even have to have any? Well, yeah, and how court, many signatures do you need on the petitions? Yeah. Right. I mean, and, and uh, I would. Some states, you have to you have to somehow register to be a write-in, which I totally blew my mind. <laughs> wow. I mean, it's. I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't know how we get, but I. W- the, the 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 thing about every, everybody's convinced that the right and the left, and I know, well, I'm in the middle, but even though I, so I can fight with both sides, uh, the, the the creatures that were with the Biden on the trip, you know, the Musks and those kinds of people, if if it would have been Trump there, they'd have been on the trip. 
I don't think they care who's in. They're in. On either side. And that's the part that scares me. That these, these, these people are more powerful than the president. And if, and if, the, if the population doesn't, hasn't figured that out, uh, you know, I think it's bad. But, uh, I mean, I... Well, you know, it's, that, that, that's interesting, Pat, because I don't see any big move on the part of any, you know, major figures on the world stage coming to bat for Kennedy or the, even the idea of a third-party candidacy. And um, I think that's all by design, too. I just I don't think that there's you know, enough bravery on the part of any CEO or business mogul or whatever else to stick his or her neck out for a third-party candidate. I don't Unless it's been pre, pre-approved and, you know, you know, sanctioned by the other two parties. If, if, you, um, if you ever get critical mass, it's like you and I know a lot of people here in the Chicago political scene if nobody cares about John Flanagan or Mike Murphy or Tom Howe they're never going to give us a dime somehow or another if we can get on, not that we want to if we were to get on some kind of TV show or, or Greg Pappas is smart enough to get a, a, a viral video of one of us talking about a topic where we, we sound like we know what we're talking about and all of a sudden we're on somebody's daytime show you know, what's the one with the three ladies and they go John, would you ever consider running for mayor? And you go, you know, I think I actually could do a better job. Maybe I, maybe I would consider. Nobody gives a crap. But all of a sudden, if next week you're on another show and another show, and you start to catch some legs, if anybody thinks there's a snowball's chance in hell you get in, the checks start showing up. It has as soon as uh, I know a guy was working for uh, who's the guy who lost last time? Uh, the school board. Uh, Vellis, right? Paul Vellis? Yeah, v- Vellis. Well, as soon as when Vellis was first running, my buddy likes him. I mean, they've known him, he's known the guy for a while. So we're supposed to have a, a coffee, or not a coffee, but a, a booze fest at his house where it was like 200 bucks to show up. And he was going to buy the booze and pizzas and whatever. You know, we're trying to get 20 people when Vellis was first starting. Might have been 250. Won, won a lot of dough. And, uh, he got put off, put off. All of a sudden, he's catching fire. Well, now, now it was five hundred, and then it was no. You need to, you need to get a restaurant. There has to be fifty people there, not ten people. Within a, within a, three weeks, as soon as he became a possibility of getting in, the price of poker went up huge. Because you you can't be the law firm that doesn't give the new payer, new mayor, a check. So the last thing they want is five people running, all of whom might win, <laughs> because. I mean, if they thought for a second that Robert Kennedy or Mike Murphy or Greg Pappas could possibly win this win this next election as a third party, you wouldn't have to worry about the cash. That's my cynical view of it. Am I, am I wrong? No, but yeah, I, I I think the reason that Vallis's price prices went up was because you had the AFT uh, uh, throwing money galore at Brandon Johnson, but, you know, bottomless sources of it, um, and. You know, it was easy for them to outspend pretty much anybody else, and I, I think that that's likely the case in any kind of a three-party race, a serious three-party race, where it's all going to be about the money, and it isn't going to be about the message, or you know, it, the ability to reach people. I just, I just don't see any kind of third-party candidacy getting any kind of legs with voters this time around. I, I don't either. Um, I'd like to, th- I'd like to think it could make a difference, but you know, I, the more I read about. The 1912 election, you know, with the Bull Moose Party and Teddy Roosevelt, that was much less about Teddy Roosevelt wanting to be president again 
as it was about completely sabotaging William Howard Taft. Neither Roosevelt didn't care if Wilson got in; he just didn't want Taft to get in. Well, but, I, mean, know, that, that I, I want somebody to run. Not really not, I want somebody to run because I don't think the other two guys represent that many that, that many people anymore. I mean, right. I want somebody well, that, to run that's to win. What you would like. Yeah, I, mean, if, I don't want. If you really thought there was a yeah a genuine third party candidate who wants the job, and I I just think now it's it's a spoiler game and it's about money sabotaging the result that people you know are, are meeting from the polls and they got to get somebody in there to distract you know enough voters so that they get the result they want. Well, so it's 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 just engineered, you know, the way the two party system is engineered. Well, pick, pick a name like uh, you know Mick Romney, and I mean if he were to run as a third party guy, which he, he I'm not. I want. I would want him to win, not just deflect Trump. Well, like, well, like no, the John Anderson candidacy in 1982, that he was seen as a as a, a non Reagan type of Republican. And I, you know, in retrospect, I don't know that he was. I don't know exactly what that was all about. But um, I, I've just I've become very soured on third party races as being any kind of a solution to the problem. I'd say I, I want a guy to win. I don't. I don't want, I don't want him to just piss off one side or the other right anyway Thank thanks you. guys uh good stuff uh this, this mix with the, the the military and the economics mike has really helped a lot so thank you sb futures mike, I, just, I just want to apologize too for when I, you and i were on a, a, you know two weeks ago or so when i was talking about intelligence failures and the hamas invasion and you were right to call me on you know that this was not an intelligence failure. Uh, john don't worry about that no. that's everybody always thinks it's an intelligence failure but right. uh, let's go irish and hopefully maybe we can beat wake forest tomorrow oh god right. if this guy can't beat his old team we paid him too much was all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> How cynical is that? SP have futures, a good weekend that's if you just have 50 cents there's if you just down 15 back tomorrow stocks and jacks thank you sir man Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.